Tay Tay Gumby saying, "Bring the dogs to a stage. Let's see you eat live." Yeah, we, uh, eat. you gonna be doing some eating live up on stage. I mean, we were talking about not having instruments and just eating hot dogs <laughs> as the album is playing on the PA. Hey That's, man, listen, if we can keep overhead down and just tour and just eat food on stage and have a guarantee, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Nice. It's a, what it's if they important. paid you in hot dogs though? Like, is that still cool or? I mean, what's the market for hot dogs? There? Can we flip those hot yeah. dogs? Because... <laughs> Are we talking hot like hot dog here. NFTs or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Welcome to the 109th episode of the Cast That Ends Creation. I'm your host, Chris Deering. This is the show interview bands and public figures from the MathCore MathCore adjacent communities. If you beautiful people in chat have any questions or comments, feel free to drop them in. I'll try to read them aloud. If you like this up for five bucks, you get access to some exclusive emotes as well as access to the interviews before they hit YouTube and other streaming services. You can also sub for free by attaching Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account. It's like taking five bucks from Jeff Bezos' pocket and putting it into mine. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this in your car and have no idea what I'm talking about, the show is first shown live on Twitch. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at twitch.tv slash the Casa Creation for the live cast. With that out of the way, let me introduce our guest today who dropped a new record, None But a Pure Heart Can Sing, last Friday through Silent Pendulum Records. Welcome in, So Hideous. How's it going? It's going great, man. Thank you for having us. Dude, absolutely. Thank you guys for coming on. Y'all are great. Yeah, thank you for having us. So uh, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do in the band? Okay, uh, I'll start. Uh, I'm Brandon. I've been in So Hideous since the beginning. And uh, I play guitar, piano, um, do some compositions, and write some lyrics. Yeah, I'm Michael. I'm the new drummer and percussionist. And I joined last year for this album. Uh, so, um, Brandon, you like do everything, right? Like you, you write all the songs along with your brother, I, I imagine. Um, I mean, it's been, mo yeah, it's been mostly me writing the songs for the most part, you know, since the beginning. And, um, you know, we had very, very different cast of characters at the, be at the beginning. Um, I actually enjoy the this record cause I think it was the most democratic, which was great. You know, I was able to, you know, uh, everybody was able to shine and, and bring that to the table. And I was also able to let go a little bit and that felt great to, you know, yeah. give people the forum to sort of, you know, sprinkle their own little flavor onto things. And uh, yeah. So, but, but yeah, mostly it's been me at least, at least getting the ball rolling and then we take it from there. Okay. So uh, Michael, you write your own drum parts for this or were those pre-written? Yeah. I mean, we were, we started emailing each other during the pandemic and Brandon would give me some pretty vague influences that he was hearing. So stuff from like John Theodore from the Mars Volta and Queens of the Stone Age to more like Hans Zimmer-esque ideas and more orchestral ideas. So basically, yeah, I mean, uh, we started just by meeting in person and he would play a riff and I'm like, all right, I'd play something and we would just democratically talk about it and work on it and like oh blast beat here ah oh, no blast beat let's try this like you know motoric vibe for this thing so that's kind of yeah it's kind of how it went down hey, well uh let's quickly go back to the beginning here uh brandon how did you how did the project come to be uh looks like it was just you and your brother to start out with is it my correct with that um, actually it was it it was just me at first and i wasn't really into the idea of doing the one man project just because I, I I really wanted that feel of a band like I really wanted live musicians and you know I had been hanging out doing like ambient drone and post rock and I wanted something a little more immediate 
And um, I also wanted real strings. So the idea was like, you know, somebody having an emotional breakdown and like box mass in B minor. Like it was like, how do I get those two together with somebody yelling over these lyrical strings? And then, um, you know, I think about the bands who, who influenced my guitar playing like mono and envy and like how these, they're basically my teachers. Right. And they taught me how to play guitar. And that style for me was the best approximation of how do I get an orchestra, you know, with these, uh, overdrive pedals. Right. Um, Wait, so you then, did them all with pedals in the beginning? Uh, no, it was just to, to sort of get that volume, right? Get that get that noise in, okay. in, in the, the demos. I got like, you. Oh. Make your guitar be like how strings yeah. and stuff are. Okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah, all, all of that. And it's like, I think, you know, that that's where everyone in, in the band is so integral because for the most part, I don't think I play anything less than the 12th fret on the guitar. You know, like I'm always kind of very, very high up on the neck so everybody else has to do heavy lifting on the mid and lower end and um it was tough to get players at the beginning man like it was you know we did all the avenues right it's like craigslist musician exchange hanging stuff up at guitar center sam ash and you're telling people the influences and everybody's like scoffing at you you know they're like in new york it was like where's the beat down you know <laughs> we don't want to do this um and then i was able to to meet some people i started the band with and record a demo, get the EP going. And it wasn't until really, I guess, the second EP to class that my brother came in. Um, and then after that, um, Etienne, our second guitarist, came in. And now they're like the longest tenured members. You know, they came in with the second EP. But it was like, it took a while to get that nucleus. Yeah, that's like, what, two years you were by yourself? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. And it was just, you know, kind of just trying to refine the demos and the songs and convince people that, you know, we can do this with the strings and that we're, we're not, we're hopefully not going to alienate the post-rock people who want all the violent stuff. And at the same time, we can still have a have attitude, right, and volume and, you know, be aggressive at the same time. But, you know, in 2008, 2009, it was, it was a hard sell. I can imagine. Uh, people have been asking me if I ever want like members to join the Sound That Ends Creation. I'm like, bro, I gotta find like a saxophonist that wants to play this shit. It's not easy to find <laughs> people that play those kinds of instruments and get them to be involved in a project with like screaming and stuff like that. And uh, so I totally feel you, man. Like it must have been incredibly hard. But you're here now, and uh, you got a whole whole band behind you and everything. All kinds of members. Uh, you call it the First Light Orchestra? Is that right? Yeah, I was just like th thinking that, you know, because at the time I didn't know if I would have a steady thing. So it was more like, oh, I guess I'll just try to do it with an ensemble of rotating musicians. And I'll just call, you know, the people that I work with, I'll call that the first light orchestra each time. And in the liner notes, yeah, it changes depending on the, the quartets we use, you know, like in Lorestein, we use the huge ensemble, you know, 30 players and a small really? choir. Yeah, and a brass and you know, we kind of stripped it back down for, for this one. But each time it's sort of that spirit, like the First Light Orchestra, the additional musicians that we use each time that give us that little extra sort of flavor that we like to put on the recordings. Because, you know, I, I, the synths right now, they're so ahead of where they were when I first started. But for me, it's it's not the same, even if they sound great. I I like to get the guys in the room reading the sheet music and, you know, sort of get that real, real intimate feel. Okay. So um, just to finish up your history real quick, you ended up releasing two albums and now you're here. Um, but after your last album, uh, Laura Stein, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, is that correct? Laura Stein? 
Laura Steen. Laura Steen. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, after yeah. that, there was a six-year break. So what happened? Like it seemed like you were popping them out pretty consistently every two years or so. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was very much like all the unglamorous parts of of like being in a band. Where like you're burnt out. You know, you're dealing with time and finance, and you know how are you going to go forward? We put a lot into those those previous records you know and you sort of got to a point where it's like you put so much into that that other aspects of your life maybe we're not in the best shape yep yeah and it was sort of okay like let's let's focus on getting to a good place with those things whether it be again finance health insurance personal relationships right you know how do we how do we get those into a working place first and again, yeah, those aren't like the glamorous rock star answers. Like it's like I wasn't like in a cave somewhere finding enlightenment to write the next album or anything like that. It's, more, you know, we were all taking care of ourselves and our families or adding or growing our families. Well, I could imagine that like you must have been like kind of falling behind in debt and stuff too, having to hire 30 musicians. Holy oh, yeah. crap, dude. That's insane. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, we, we like to go all the way right if we're going to do we always say if we're going to do it then we're going to do it and um you know it's very much then you have to understand the flip side to that coin right where you know there's a cost right and you know it i i think we were very very cavalier about it and it's awesome when you're young you go head first right into it but you know we we needed that time to recover and i think also rediscover our why right you know you're you're in a band and it's like okay so why are you doing it? Are you doing it so you can release an album every two years and tour behind it to release another album every two years and tour behind it? Or are you actually making this because you want to make it? Dude, hell yeah, man. Well, like y'all are making, I, I, I haven't really heard a band that sounds quite like this. So you're making like a new genre. It takes some balls to be doing that. So like, I feel like you have to have some kind of heart behind it. Yeah, no, no, no. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, it, that was pretty much the mantra going in, like, you know, finding our why and doing it and coming from a place of just complete freedom this time rather than just, oh, we've been out of the game. You know, should we temper our expectations to do it? It's like, no, 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 let's, let's put in the work and, you know, honestly, just express ourselves. Take it back to when, you know, you're you're really shitty and you're 15 years old and your first guitar and it's like, wow, that riff sounds amazing. Let's do that again. Rather than thinking about these are the social media metrics. This is the genre nomenclature. This is no, 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 no. Like let's play music. Well, uh, on that note, talking about um, genre and stuff like that, what genre would you call yourselves? We, we just had a really funny podcast from some of our friends in the UK and they called it uh, blues metal or something to that effect. A blue metal, just like blue okay. or even, even not even metal, just blue. They called it a new thing because like, well, I can throw all these different words together and it still wouldn't describe what we're trying to do or felt we had to do for this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I also think just putting things into a, a genre whole is kind of it doesn't really do it always justice i I agree too um i like to have genres because if somebody new comes along you could be like oh hey it's it's this kind of music so you know they could think in their mind okay it's gonna be similar to these other bands or what um how are you like uh uh what do you call it um pitching it to like blogs and stuff though like what kind of genre using for that is it post black that's the thing i've heard the most 
I, th- I think so. Yeah. Our PR agent, Curran, um, from the chain, he, I think it's like atmospheric post black shoegaze maybe is mm. like the, the official term he was using. <laughs> yeah. I feel like on this one, it's so different. Like that doesn't even like fit anymore too. Like, uh, it's so much more rhythmic this time around. And, uh, instead of like focusing on like constantly evolving, like a, uh, a slower kind of, um, atmosphere i guess it's more uh i would say like even almost prog rock or you know so like i don't know what to call y'all at all i was trying to rack my brain too uh, i <laughs> guess like black and progressive metal uh, i'm not even sure i'm not even sure the black in part really fits anymore it's more like uh, a screamo kind of feel to it but uh yeah uh what y'all are doing is super original like i i can't think of another band that's thank you Thank yeah, you. I mean, you know, I tell people normally when like I have acquaintances or friends, you know, I just wind up saying it, it's some kind of metal and just leave it at that because I know, you know, they won't really look past the guy yelling or the distortions or, you know, the sort of aggressive martial type drumming. So I'm like, there we go, metal. And then you can take whatever, <laughs> you know, other stuff you want to classify it as from there. And um, yeah, we just had a lot of fun on this one. And I think that 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 was really important because sometimes we were under under such pressure from ourselves on the last records and just, you know, trying to get it done and, you know, setting strict deadlines and everything. And I think when you're seasoned and you know what to expect, then you go into another record. Okay, these are the parts that we need to take care of. We have this book. Everyone is ready. You know, let's go in and just explore it and get into a, a habit of like saying yes or let's try it rather than just like, you know what, I'm not sure, like, I don't know if that works. It's like, no, 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 like, it's going to work. Let's do it. Let's try it. How does it feel? Right. And that was just so freeing. And that's what this whole thing was about. Uh, Just uh, putting your your whole heart. Uh, The chat is going crazy for Mike. Just wanted to uh, let you know about that. All the homies are are in here. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if I could read any of it out because some of it's a little weird. It's uh... probably better not to, but let's say hello (laughs) to Taylor, who did, uh, who does all the graphic design for Silent Pendulum. Also a vocals for Steak Sauce Mustache. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, hi, Taylor. And then we got Goblin Crow, Chris Weiss, one of my oldest friends from uh, high school. So he's in there laying down some some heat. (laughs) <laughs> and then we got we got B Doughty. <laughs> uh, he's from Serling and Thirty Seconds Go. Oh, we okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. We we talk on IG. Okay, so hello. <laughs> um, so that's good that we have some some buddies here. <laughs> so the change has been pretty drastic, I would say, from your last album to this one. I feel like this one is way better than the last one. Like, to be honest with you guys, and the last one is sick, but this one. I don't know, man. Like, I get this, uh, I get my blood pumping in some parts, and other parts, it's like, you know, super sad. And so, like, it, it's such a good um, uh, dynamic, and uh, uh, the, the mood changes so much. What inspired you to change it around so much this time to make it more, uh, the more exciting parts, the more rhythmic parts, or whatever? I think I'll let Brandon explain, but I, at least I wasn't on the, the previous records, but I've been a So Hideous fan since the first EPs. So I've known these guys personally for a while. But back to what you just said about the freedom. I mean, it, we were peak pandemic when Brandon and I started emailing and everyone was going through chaos because everyone's on lockdown. Everyone's losing jobs or partners or whatever's going on in everyone's life. 
And when I was getting emails from Brandon, I was like, all right, like, let's get our masks on. Let's go rent a studio for three hours and let's just go like do what we did when we started playing music, which was like, we go and have fun and sweat it out and be like, okay, yeah, let's play an Afrobeat drum beat on this song or get the, the brushes or the mallets or, you know, him and I, we, we said, let's buy a gong. So we bought a gong for this record because <laughs> why not? We're not getting any younger. This is why we started doing music because it's, it's fun and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So at least that was my perspective going into this. But as far as like the two records, uh, Brandon's better to explain the difference in the writing process for those. Yeah, I think I think maybe before that there there were just more, I guess, more stringent ideas of what it was supposed to be, what the end game was supposed to be. Like like last poem, first light was supposed to start off, you know, you're in a really, really shitty place. And then you, you know, you find something, a, a crutch or whatever along the way to help you, the lantern, and then you get to the end and you don't need the lantern anymore, right? Like it's like you're in a better place. Like that was very much like the record starting off dissonant and then ending in a nicer place. And Lorestein was just about having that consistent dreamlike mood of dying throughout the whole thing. Like it was, it was like, we need to have this be a Max Richter album with the guy yelling on it, right? Like that was like, you know, let's hammer that home, right? You know, Max Richter, Oliver Arnold, Johan Johansson, like let's have that, but with someone screaming, you know, having a nervous breakdown in the church while that's playing. So they had like really, really strict concepts to them. And this one was very much like, we're expressing ourselves totally and fully. And, you know, that idea that we thought, this isn't going to work for Lorestein because it doesn't fit into the concept or this doesn't work for last poem, you know, because it doesn't fit into the concept. That conversation didn't happen anymore. That conversation was like, no, 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 this, that would be just as limiting as us saying, Oh, we're not going to play metal because that that's expected of us. Like, no, if there was a straight ahead metal part, we attached it with the same, you know, gusto as we would, you know, some extra crazy left field shit. It was more about giving each idea the same attention rather than just like, we, we want to do the blast beat parts, you know, because they feel so good. But then the quiet parts, those are just placeholders in between the aggressive parts. Like, no, 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 no. We're going to attack everything the same. And I think with that sort of focus and also, you know, partnering with someone like, you know, working with Michael, who was like, yeah, that's, that's what's happening. When you have that team around you, it's just full speed ahead. Was there ever a point where you were like, I'm not sure this is, uh, this, this is so hideous anymore. Like, was there ever a, a couple riffs where you're just like, yeah, I don't think it really fits the, fits the band. Like, uh, the Emerald Pearl super mm-hmm. excellent example of how, how the sounds changed so much. Um, was there ever a point where you're just like, yeah, this isn't the same band anymore. It, it honestly, it, it didn't happen for me because when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, let's say I do this and I create another band to do a song like the Emerald Pearl, but then I still have reverb, tremolo picking, double bass, and a guy yelling on top of it, like with strings. That's so hideous. So if anything, those are more elements of so hideous just with adding the brass and the Afro beats on it than if I just created an entire new band and still had so many of the hallmarks of my old band. Like that just, to to me, didn't make any sense. I, I was thinking... You know, it wasn't like I just released a string record or we did a full on ambient record or or something like that. It was more I felt like we expanded outward and took more influences rather than just completely cut off the limbs and disavowed everything that came before. 
they see it as more of a uh, a natural progression yeah. to where you are now. And I'm not saying that it doesn't sound like so hideous. I'm just saying it's kind yeah. of a, a big change. Yeah, different. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, what are the influences going into your current sound? Because like I said, there's not a lot of bands that sound like this. I mean, I know you're talking about like composers and stuff like that, but are there like uh, bands like in a similar vein as to you that I just don't know about? Um, band that comes to my mind, uh, I would set myself on fire for you. Is probably one that's kind of in the same ballpark. Are there bands like that? I, I mean, I think the best representation is our, our text messages or our group text, uh, especially just between Brandon and I, the last year, it's like, well, we'll we rehearse. And then a few days later, we're sending Radiohead live videos to each other. Or the next week, it's, you know, John Theodore from Mars Volta live video from 15 years ago, playing some like, you know, crazy Latin stuff on top of horns and maracas. Um, or even recently, I mean, the album's out, but you know, you sent me a Hans Zimmer link and it, it blindsided me. I'm, I was, I was packing, I was packing records. I was like, you know, we're doing some sound pendulum records, having a good time. And Brandon sends me this video and I'm there like, I'm getting, I'm getting watery. I'm getting teary. I'm getting emotional packing records. And then, then I'm, I'm sending that to people posting it. And now I'm like a Hans Zimmer believer. I didn't even know he was touring with an orchestra and playing Coachella, but there he is. And so I think that's like the, the key element is having the open heart and mind to listen to these totally different genres that otherwise you wouldn't think fit or wouldn't influence a specific vision that, you know, uh, any math metal or post metal or shoegaze band would put in as an influence, but then, having the open mind to do that, then you get something more for what we created is, is what I would say. Something totally different. Yeah. I was thinking ju ju just a lot of, you know, in addition to, to like the, the same composers that I had, like I said, all the four Arnolds, Max Richter, and those sort of modern composers. I was thinking a lot of like, just, just older live bands, like, you know, I, like listening to, to Sam Cooke live at the Apollo, Otis Redding. And it's like, you know, like those guys are screaming. Like it's like they they were legit belting it out. Like the, like I was obsessed with, with this James Brown Christmas album because it was so sad. But I mean, he's screaming at the top of his lungs and it's totally in key, right? And I mean, they have the guitars playing arpeggios, tremolo picking, and everything just sounds so live and vital with an orchestra on it. I'm like, how do I get that feeling on a modern recording? His Christmas yeah. album was sad. Yeah, it was incredible, man. Incredible. Santa Claus is here to stay. Everybody do that right now. Like, right now. Like, go away and do it right now. Like, just incredible. Xylophones, like, all of it. Even the, the Phil Spector Christmas, the, the wall of sound that he has, all the instruments, the orchestrations, all that. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, I listen to, to that stuff, and I'm like, wow, this happened so long ago, and I'm fucking jealous, man, because I can just hear it. I could hear, you know all these people thinking and working towards one common goal and putting it together and creating this honest music, man. They didn't give a shit what was happening right now. Oh, this is popular. This is what's happening. This is what's expected of me. No, they fucking just made these incredible songs. <laughs> so uh, confirmed. So hideous is influenced by Christmas. Yes. <laughs> uh, looks like we got someone else joining us. Oh, we got our guitarist. Uh -oh. oh, he's coming in. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I have no idea how to pronounce your name. 
Can, if you guys can hear me, it's Etienne. Etienne, all righty. Can you turn Etienne, your phone sideways? Yeah, like this. There we oh, go. There we go. There, Man, we go. there you go. Cool. Now we're oh, nice. rolling. We got gangs. This now is like a guest spot coming in. <laughs> yeah, just just the crazy drop in. Featuring. Yeah, you guys set the tone. Twenty seven minutes in, you know, and then I'll drop in. <laughs> so, uh, tell us who you are. What you do in the band? Uh, Etienne Vasquez. I play guitar and so hideous. Okay. Um. We kind of went through a lot of it already. I, I don't know if you were listening to us before, if you have any input on uh, things we've already talked about. I was not listening. Okay. Go ahead. Throw, throw, me, throw me a zinger. Let's well, go. we were throw talking me, about uh, what influences went into uh, the current iteration of So Hideous. Right, 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 right. So honestly, man, my, my answer to that would be we had a lot of time to just like be adults and and just like catch up on life in between the last record and and what we just did and so when we came back together and started playing it just felt really fresh um and honestly it felt like we were hungry again which was really exciting and um hungry without sort of some of the trappings of feeling like we have to deliver something um and it felt honestly like we were just writing music again like like friends and just enjoying it and and i think so so from an influences standpoint i felt like we were taking stuff from anywhere it didn't really matter uh where it came from it was just more is it inspiring does it make sense uh, is it fun um and and is it a good indication of where we are right now and uh, and and when i listen back to the record now i feel like I feel like that's what i hear I hear a mix of everything. I hear us coming from all over, all over the place, from the existing band members to the new band members, and um, and that's what makes it fun. So that's that's a a different angle on answering your question because I listen to a whole lots of different stuff, but it's hard to say exactly what makes it into a, what makes it into a record or not. No, it's awesome that uh, you guys don't have an influence that is like what you're doing, but you're, you might be doing it better or whatever. It's more like influences from across the whole spectrum. It, it really takes some balls to put something like that together. Uh, that, that's awesome. I, I got to ask you, man, you got all these paintings behind you. Are you like finger painting or what's, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if, only, <laughs> if only I were so talented. No, this is what I do instead of work all day. I just, I finger paint and put them up and hope someone notices them one day. You no, can sell them as actually, NFTs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trying to make a quick buck here or there, anywhere I can. <laughs> No, man, I, I um, these are actually my kids artwork. So uh, early on in the pandemic, when I started working from home, I had this sort of plain white wall behind me. So I decided to um, the kids were doing a lot of stuff. So we put these up here and they become quite famous at, at my job now. Um, now that when I'm in the office, people like to complain that, that my kids are probably the better part of them actually doing Zoom calls with me. Uh, so it is what it is. But uh, yeah, so that's just that's just their artwork that I, that I have up there on display. How many kids you got? Three, three kids, eight, six and a half and four. So we got a busy we got a busy household here. Yeah, imagine just, just, getting rehearsals together is not easy. <laughs> yeah it's like you know i'm just at some point we're just gonna bring the kids to the rehearsal studio and just like you know you guys will figure it out put some ear earplugs in and, and go for it that's listen it. we need more percussion that's it yeah. <laughs> do y'all live by each other or are y'all scattered around i think yeah, pretty, pretty scattered everyone's in a different county or state or borough okay yeah, so how I'm... often do uh practices end up happening 
we attempt for weekly, which is yeah, a, what's a, the average, Mike? <laughs> the average is let, let me get my uh, ledger out. Let me see. One second. <laughs> we attempt weekly. It's more bi-weekly. And that's, that doesn't mean we're all there either. <laughs> so that's why it took six years then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had a, we had a really, really in the midst of the pandemic, late 2020, early 2021, like solid push, you know, like uh, get getting together and like hashing out the record. Cause we, you know, I really think having that concrete goal was important. It was like, listen, the, the studio date is booked. The string players are paid for, you know, the horns are booked. Like now let, let's do this. And I feel like we had like a golden three months where it was just like, we were all pushing in the same direction to get everything going. And that was, I like, I always remember that. Cause it's like, you know, it's February, the weather is really shitty. There's not a lot going on, but you know, th those Saturdays and Thursdays or whatever, like it was like, you had, you know, four guys just in total lockstep making it work. And that's like something that I remember fondly, you know, hashing this thing out. Well, it's interesting you uh, mentioned uh, recording and uh, string players and such, because that's where we're headed to next. Um, oh. So here you had, uh, what is it, seven? No, nine people. Is it nine that y'all brought in, extra musicians? We brought a quartet, yeah, a string quartet in this time. And then um, we had three, uh, you know, brass, wood, winds, or whatever players, sax. Okay. Uh, so there, there was two days of strings. So I think it was a different quartet each day or something to yeah. that effect. Yeah. Oh, so really? it was like, yeah, mm -hmm. just because of scheduling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I see you got Seven Sons to be uh, the strings and such, and they're uh, they're the band that was covering like Dillinger and stuff like that. I don't know if they did any other ones, but I remember seeing them the YouTube video of them uh, doing forty three percent burnt. So uh, that that's pretty sick that you got them. Uh, how did y'all hook up with them? Actually, Earl Earl played live with us a couple of times before during Lorstein. Um and yeah, we were just sort of able to, you know, take that next step and say, okay, for this one, let's use the quartet, you know, for this, uh, you know, for this. And and Earl picked up the Lorstein stuff really, really quickly. So for us, it was just kind of a a real easy step because I mean, he came in, we gave him the sheet music, and I think he his first show with us was, was Webster Hall, and uh, you know, he was up there total darkness just you know shredding and doing what he, he had to do and i was like okay let's get the quartet on this one because we really wanted to strip it down after having so many on the last one having the strings dominate the record um and yeah it it just seemed like okay let's take that relationship a little bit further especially because we wanted it a little more immediate a little more raw like you can hear the bow on the string kind of shit where the other one was more like han zimmer you know inception big bass drops big booms and you know end of the world strings this was more like no let's let's have it be more intimate despair but the world is still ending <laughs> yeah and uh all these other uh the saxophone trombone trumpet player like they're just people that y'all happen to know no i was actually uh that that's the uh, afrobeat connection so they all played with uh antibalas who won a Grammy for Afrobeat in 2019. And I stumbled upon it when I was getting into all the, the fella Cootie stuff. And I started listening to, to that band and I was like, holy shit, this is the modern day version of that. And they actually took it to the next level with electronics. So yeah, I just reached out and, you know, they were super approachable. And that's another like incredible part of that recording session. Cause they just came in <laughs> and just, destroyed it like came in with their bottle of what was it whiskey i don't know 
<laughs> really? Okay. That, that was probably my favorite part of the recording. I, I don't want to say favorite, but one of my favorite parts of the recording process. Like we did drums first and guitars, bass, vocals. Then we had strings on top and strings were very structured with sheet music. And then album's almost done. And we're there and like, you know, the horn players arrive at, you know, 7 p.m. or something, 6 p.m. We already did a full day's work. We're like, all right, let's see how this goes. They're like, bottle of whiskey in hand, ready to go. One take, killing it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're like, oh, this one, the one, I remember the trombone player was like, oh, this one part's, yeah, pretty cool. But what if we did like in unison and did like a, a crescendo? Yeah. And I remember just like goosebumps and being like mind blown behind the glass in the studio with Kevin and everybody. And it's been like, wow, that, that was pro. <laughs> so they essentially improv their whole, their whole takes and everything. Yeah. For like, so, so we had, we had for them sheet music for like initial 30 seconds. And it was like, they tried out the first take and it was like really, really stiff. Um, so they still had, it because it was basically just, just, you know, E flat minor, like vamp, vamp in that. Right. And, um, yeah it was just like super stiff so then they were looking at at the scales and it was like okay literally like within a minute they're like okay i'm gonna keep this bit i'm gonna get rid of this bit do that and then they just again took off and yeah as as mike said it was super inspiring because it was just extra pro and it was like oh okay they made this thing totally swing rather than like i guess for me because i had been writing for strings as mike said it was so much more structured that they were able to take kind of the little bit that I had on, on the page and like, no pun intended, make it sing. So, you know, that was, yeah, super rewarding. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. They were awesome. <laughs> Cause uh, that, that's like a big part, like the little uh, solos and stuff that they did. Um, so uh, there's no lyrics up on the internet for this. So what are the lyrics about? Oh yeah. You need to get that up on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah. we'll, leave, we'll leave it to you know. We'll leave it to people to interpret. No. Yeah, there we go. The Ross route, it's all gibberish, and you guys can assign a meaning to it. Well, no, so I-, I was gonna say, if it's like your other albums, uh, it seems like it's more like a stream of consciousness kind of approach. Is that is that about right? Yeah, I I think so. I would say that 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 because you know, the pandemic and with, with our vocalists being, you know, on the other side of the country, I had just a lot more time to sort of sit with the lyrics and try and tell a more concrete story with them. You know, it's still, I like the stream of consciousness shit. I don't think I'll ever not write lyrics that way. Cause I like that, like Terrence Malick and internal monologue kind of stuff. I just think it, it speaks to like the, you know, this introverted mindset with this very extroverted music. Um, but I think with, the lyrics this time, it was very much like, you know, we're starting off the album Souvenir Echo, and it's about, you know, I guess, taking what you've learned before, right? And kind of, you know, getting rid of the baggage, understanding all the bullshit that happened before and kind of moving forward. And this is very much like the Perseverance album. You know, um, even even Emerald Pearl was sort of very meta. Like, it's like, you know, we, we, want, we want to do this, right? You want the Emerald Pearl, but do you want to go through all the bullshit you have to to get it? Right? Okay. Like, really, kind of like uh, making this album, huh? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I mean, we're 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 seasoned enough to know that it's like, no, we gotta hunker down and do it if we want to actually make it work. 
right? Um, and even Motorik, you know, I had the, you know, uh, I kept talking with with Mike about this crowd rock, like like I need the Motorik beat, I need the dun, 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 dun. We need to just, you know, have it be driving because the whole thing was about, you know, whenever you're driving, right? You're looking forward, but you're also looking in the rear view mirror and you're looking at the side view mirror, right? It, it's like everything that was behind you was also gonna be taking you to where you're going. Yeah, and man. then, and then finally, you know, the, the the last song from now, our love song, um, was <laughs> love song. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Our ballad, baby. <laughs> uh, you know that that one was was just very much about like you know, after all that, we're okay. Nice. Yeah, that this is totally about you making this album. Like a hundred percent, it fits perfectly. <laughs> Uh, one other thing I forgot to mention about recording. How do you uh, get, how do you make everything stay on track? Like counting you guys, there would be like 11 people working on this thing. Or then you have producers or uh, people recording you and stuff like that. Like uh, how do you keep it all, all straight? I think the, the biggest thing we did was we did pre-pro and demos. Like that helped us, the core, get the songs where we wanted them to be. And the three of us would send files back or all, all of us or just Brandon and I at first would just send drums and guitar and just get the meat and potatoes and the clicks together. Um, trying to replicate our voice memo demos we took with our iPhones <laughs> and being like, is that the tempo? We're like clicking it on our you know, metronome. Be like, ah, it's kind of dragging or oh, it's kind of fast. So that's how we got the songs and then once we were pretty happy with those then i think brandon and etienne handled all the booking of the studio and hiring the musicians and then brandon wrote out all the charts i think that was probably like the biggest work i think we got someone else yeah well what do we got going on here <laughs> we got another guest guest spot uh-oh. We, we got vocals now. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, Christopher, is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's me, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? You know, I saw this Zoom call, and I saw you guys having a good time, and I'm like, no, no. I, I can't miss out. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, uh, so we were going to, oh, I forgot. We got to shout out, uh, Kevin and Triassian at Backroom Studios, uh, guitarist for Dillinger, uh, recorded, mixed and mastered you guys. That's a whole yeah. lot of work. Like, yeah. And holy crap. we're talking about, you know, how does it stay on track? Right. I mean, when you have somebody who's a total pro, right. And sort of understands, you know, that we're coming in and there are goals for each day this is drums, this is, you know, guitar and bass, these are strings, right? And I mean, we had a, we had a very non-traditional recording session anyway, where at the time Chris was in San Francisco. So then he was recording his vocals out over there in a separate studio, right? And again, you know, just having everybody sort of put all of that together, like you said, just required great planning and a lot of flexibility, you know, to sort of make that work. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm kind Kevin, of like reorganizing this stuff over. No, Kevin was honestly going to shout Kevin out for, I mean, so Kevin's really good. He's a good engineer in the sense that he has a really great ear for, for obviously as we're working along when we can get better takes, et cetera. But 
on top of that, I think he has a really good natural style about giving feedback. And so it was really easy to hear his suggestions and hear when it was like, look, I think you could do that better. Or, you know, have you guys tried this? And it's like, okay, great. Let, let's try that out. And we try things and some things stuck. And then some things were like, no, nah, you know what? Glad we tried it, but we're going to, you know, move on from that idea. But I, I found that he, he only, he knows exactly kind of when to insert himself. He does so in a very sort of confident, but not over like he knows it's your work, but he also knows you want it to be good. So he really strikes a really nice balance. Um, so it was really easy actually to work with him um, the entire time. I don't think I had any expectations going into it because I just knew him. I didn't know, you know, the work that he had done. I just knew that, you know, Mike certainly had trusted him and DJ had trusted him. And, and the fact that we were booking with him in the first place, I knew Brandon certainly had to trust that we were going in the right direction, but then working with him gave me really actually a pretty, a newfound respect, honestly, for the work that he was able to do. Hell yeah. I mean, doing all this on his own is, is pretty insane. Engineering, mixing, mastering, recording, like, holy crap. Uh, as someone that does that type of stuff, like, yeah, I must've been driving him nuts. And then like having to organize all the people, like, holy crap, man, we could do a podcast with just talking about album, like, yeah, we should get Kevin on here next time. I would <laughs> yeah. like to hear that. Yeah, I want to hear the, I hear the real details. Details. <laughs> We shouldn't be, but don't have us on. Just let, just no. ask him, and he'll give you the real deal. I think, I think the next one should just be the so hideous scarf that's behind Cadner right now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The whole scarf. show just, just interview that bad boy. <laughs> Put it on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, your cover art was done by Christopher Cruz. Oh, that's shit. That's you, isn't it? I just now, just now realized <laughs> that. that. Holy crap. That hey, is there you are. <laughs> I don't know why well, I just now realized that. All in house. <laughs> uh, so tell us what what this is exactly. What are we looking at? So I remember, um, you know, Brandon and I going kind of back and forth about these different ideas of what we could do for the cover art, and you know, <clears throat> there were various different iterations of it, um, like a scrapbook or you know, uh, what else Brandon knew? I mean, there were just so many different ideas that we were throwing around. Time capsules. Time capsules, yeah. <clears throat> but essentially, we wanted something that, um, an image that could be like a standalone piece that would, that would, you know, have a story, you know, in itself. You know, you see the picture of that lady and you're kind of thinking, you know, what's, you know, what exactly is going on with her? You know, it just gravitates you and you want to, you want to learn more about it. Um, and we found this, a very, a, a similar image that kind of just inspired it. Um, uh, and we went, you know, hit the ground running and came up with four different cover versions and then slimmed it down and made it less busy and incorporated elements of, of some of the song titles like the Emerald Pearl. So, you know, she has a ring in there and it's an Emerald. Um, yeah, I, I, I dig it. It's one of my favorite pieces I think I've done ever. And, um, and now it gets to live on, uh, some beautiful vinyl that Mr. Cadner has been putting together pretty well. Hell yeah. Is it uh based on somebody like one of your one of your friends or something modeling for you? <laughs> I mean, no. Uh, I mean I don't know anyone that hasn't hair that long, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe Cadner in a few years. He yeah, a few more spot. years. <laughs> just tie the scarf to it. That's it. Yeah, just <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a bunch of scarves like dreads. <laughs> uh so you guys also did a music video. 
talking about it. Uh, whose idea was it? This is a music video for Emerald Pearl. Yeah, that was that that was fun because it was it, it was sort of just like, oh, let's let's look at the lyrics, right? You you want something so bad, you're striving for it, and it was like, I mean, I just kind of had like this very very obtuse idea, you know, two forces that were just attracted to each other no matter what but then it wound up being toxic and you're just kind of in that cycle right and it's kind of similar to when you want to accomplish goals right that that myth of sisyphus thing right i'm rolling this thing up the hill then i get it there and it goes right back down right and then i got to bring it up the hill again and you know after one task is done here's another right but i guess trying to trying to look at that not necessarily from a negative place just sort of being grateful for that process right like yeah there's always more work to do and like that's cool right like i'm excited to be able to do new things and continue to work and um you know i had that idea and you know mike had worked with the, the director brendan mcgowan before um and you know he he recommended him and then we all jumped on a call you know talking about it brainstorming it and it was just literally like they were just rapid fire like just firing pearls like it was just you know adding on to the concept adding on to the concept and um yeah. firing emerald pearls yes 100 <laughs> percent very good and um yeah brent brendan works so quickly you know but it's 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 not that he doesn't it's not like oh he just spat something out it's well thought out but he just moves very very briskly it's like okay let's do that i don't know if that's going to play on film right like he he's he's able to really conceptualize these things because you know as as mike can attest with the emails and texts i was sending it might sound batshit right <laughs> when i'm saying oh let's let's do this you know let's let's have you know fella Kuti and han zimmer you know with this it it doesn't necessarily play on text but he was able to really, really put, you know, a face to it and do that. And it was just really, really exciting to, to kind of work with him. I remember after that phone call, just being like, yeah, the, this video is going to work. We haven't even shot anything. We haven't casted anyone yet, but it's going to work because everybody has this concept in it. Yeah. yeah and, and Brandon is just, Brandon McCown, the director is so talented. He directed it, filmed it, did the lighting and the casting, everything. God and damn. all at the same time, no assistance, and it was a one-day film uh, film shoot upstate in Woodstock, New York. And ten hours, that was it. It was done. He's like, "All right, going back to the city. See ya." <laughs> that city got him. He got it down in ten hours. Jesus. Ten hours, everything. One day. Yep. Dude, that is wild. This is like, this is honestly one of my favorite music videos that I've seen. I'm not just saying that. Like the, uh, what do you call that? Um interpretive dance that those that the two ladies are doing as they're like fighting we're seeing the part right now actually like that, that's just amazing and it's like every every uh element of it, it it's like a movie it, it's really really well done like kudos to him man this is insane i gotta say uh i kind of thought the the uh lyrics would be about like fighting with yourself or something though i thought that's what i thought that's what it'd be because she's like fighting herself i imagine is what this is supposed to be yeah, I think it was more about, and I, I guess we can look at, at at persevering as that, right? Like it's like you're fighting yourself, right? You want to do something, but you're fighting your own laziness, or you're fighting your own procrastination, right? Um, and you're just kind of 
you know, look at it the other way, right? Like it's like a gift to hold the, the, this emerald pearl, right? Like it's like that struggle is a gift, man, to be able to say, you know what, we're, we're all working towards something. Yeah, this practice was shitty, but you know, think about the end game when we push through this, right? Or this, this, this day on at work or at this project was shitty or this day at the gym was shitty, right? Like it's like, you know, but once you get past that, when you're working toward that goal, right? You're gonna, you know, you, you gotta eat this bitterness to taste the sweet later on, right? Um, God damn, dude, that's deep. I love this scene where they're like out of breath and she's just like so dramatic. The one on the on the right is so dramatic with like the her breathing. This is a really good video, guys. Like, holy crap, seriously, I cannot gush about this like any like eh, it's just crazy i'm not overhyping this at all it's so good i remember being sore after that damn music video <laughs> <laughs> like we i haven't rehearsed with these guys in, in in you know what seems like forever i was in california and then they're like oh you know first time we get together as a group we're gonna act like we're you know performing live so you know the back felt real good after that for <laughs> It took it took it took Brandon ten hours, but it took me two weeks to recover. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, got a couple of random questions here. We got one that we ask everybody: What do you put on your hot dogs? I'll go first. Super easy, just mustard and ketchup. That's it. No frills. Basic. I'll take the mustard, but you can you can keep the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Etienne, what do you think? Oh, I guess he left. Oh, oh he, he's he uh, definitely frozen. Okay. That's it. He's Hopefully eating he a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks exactly, happy, though. He's doing the impersonation of a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's back. But sideways. Still yeah, you're definitely sideways. There we <laughs> go. Back, but different. <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you think? What are you doing with this hot dogs? I mean, I don't really eat hot dogs, but if I, <laughs> if I, if I, was, to, if I was to pick it, um, I'd be like raw onions, some some mayo and a ketchup i think okay okay pretty yeah. basic i like it i like it yeah. not, not any more basic than michael's but uh you know it's good it's good I like he went it. ballpark hot dog that's it i'm at the game <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the end. you got one you got any you taking it regular you taking it spicy we... oh wait you're on mute uh, oh he's, he's on mute, mute. mute. let's go spicy Oh. And let's toss a bunch of, you know, a little ketchup, a little mustard, you know, a little relish, maybe. Get crazy with it. Oh, okay. Don't. Uh, okay. Okay. No, I like to, like, again, I can go super basic, like, ballpark game, but I like to have, like, some Boston baked beans on it. Baked beans? Ah. Yeah. Ah. That's a yeah. weird one. Yeah, Switch like, it up. Like oh, shit. You know what? I got to take, I got to take that back now, Brandon. You, you fucked me up. Now I have to think about this because a chili dog is a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chili dogs yeah. are one of the best things on the planet Earth. So, all right, some chili on top with some heavy cheese. Okay, and okay. Well, what kind cheese. of cheese are you doing? All right. I'm talking heavy cheese. All right. Like I want, I want like doom cheese. <laughs> want, I, you know, like you want two piece doom, two piece doom cheese on top. Yeah, a two piece, <laughs> more, more more cabinets than than you know people. <laughs> That's it. Eight string base. Yeah, I want eight string base. That's the kind of cheese we're talking about. Playing chords on the base. <laughs> Listen, I want eight bass drums. All right, yeah. that's <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah, on a uh, fifty-five inch floor top. Floor top. Yep. <laughs> uh, Grind PK in chat says you can cook a hot dog on this fire album. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's going on? <laughs> Illuminated coffee out of Poughkeepsie. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's Good to see you. Good one. <laughs> uh, so, you guys plan on bringing this to the stage? We are. Um, we are. We were very picky with this album and this reunion and new members. Um, I think we can speak for all of us, and we want our first gig together and their first gig in a few years to be something like special and intimate. So we've turned down a few gigs. We turned down a few friends. So we're still, we haven't announced it. We're still kind of debating over a few venues and a few locations and experiences that we can do. So um, also we haven't played live uh, in this group setting yet. So We got some rehearsals to do. We got a brutal winter ahead of us in New York. So in the spring, we'll probably have our return to the stage, Um, but nothing booked yet. And then we do have some offers for Europe and some other countries and continents. So none of that's public yet or confirmed. I mean, things are still kind of crazy. So, but 2022 looks bright for us. I feel like Europe would really like your style because uh, it's so like bombastic and stuff. Uh, kind of similar to like power metal and stuff that's going on over there. So uh, that'd probably be a really good one for y'all. Um, Tay Tay Gumby saying, "Bring the dogs to a stage. Let's see you eat live." Yeah, we, uh, eat. you gonna be doing some eating live up on stage. I mean, we were talking about not having instruments and just eating hot dogs Switch as the album is playing on the PA. Hey, man, listen, if we can keep overhead down and just tour and just eat food on stage and have a guarantee, yeah. I'll take that. Nice. I mean, a, what if they important. paid you in hot dogs, though? Like, is that still cool? Or I mean, what's the market for hot dogs there? Can we cook those hot <laughs> dogs? Because... <laughs> Are we talking like hot dog NFTs or what? Yeah, (laughs) there it is. (laughs) So uh, in terms of like the tour, are you expecting to hit the whole country or are we looking at just like one region or is everyone going to get a chance to see? It's probably going to be regional and only uh, a markets. If that, I mean, everyone's working full time. Everyone's got families obligations. So um, if there's big touring, it, it still would only be, you know, East coast, West coast, and the major cities. I don't foresee, I don't foresee a 45 day U S tour to uh, Oklahoma <laughs> happening, but, but I don't know. Call me. We'll see. Let's as long as there's a Texas day, as long as there's a Texas day, I'll be, I'll be down. I'll be down. And I'll give you all the hot dogs. You can... <laughs> all right. Excellent. <laughs> I'll sign up for the 45 day hot dog tour. Yeah, that's there it. Go. <laughs> so we, we got we got to get the gains in we got to get the gains <laughs> nft tour i like that hot dogs or crypto that's it yeah and at end of the tour we leave with like 3.5 million dollars in nfts <laughs> grind pk in chat says hot dogs are the new doge coin oh. listen <laughs> he, he's not wrong he is not wrong about that so uh, when y'all play live, uh, I I've seen a couple of videos of y'all playing live. It doesn't look like y'all are playing with like the the with people playing like strings or trumpets or anything like that. But then you were mentioning that you you guys got um one of the one of the string players up on stage with y'all before. Uh, so do y'all have like or are you planning on having like orchestration and stuff behind y'all? I think that's the that's sort of the I guess the point for us with having those those larger shows right those more meaningful shows so that you know we can use that as an opportunity to have 
the ensemble behind us, right? You know, like for a band of this size in terms of being cost effective, if we go on that 45 day tour to Oklahoma paid in hot dog NFTs, then we might not be able to pay, you know, the seven piece ensemble with us. But, you know, if we're having, you know, the larger record release show, you know, special shows in different markets, either Los Angeles or when, when we're overseas, then we can use that event to, you know, have it be told the way, you know, the, the, the album should be told. Right. But I mean, normally we we never really thought about it before. We were like, OK, the album's the album and like we're going to be a punk band live and we plug and play. And, you know, we, it was, you know, we had the best approximation for it. But I know, you know, now going forward with like, you know, going into the realm of, you know, using saxophone solos and brass, you know, that that relationship sort of has to change. So, you know, that's something that I think we're ironing out kind of like as we speak for 2022. Okay. Um, hopefully y'all can have the entire thing behind you guys. Uh, so speaking of shows, what's the best show y'all have played? And uh, Michael, you can say like any kind of show because I know you haven't played with ABC No Rio when we played together <laughs> with my other band. Dude, you like literally took that right out of my brain right now. <laughs> Record release show, ABC No Rio. Was- yep, that was the wow. spot. Yeah, packed and it was chaos and it was I think a matinee probably even. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was sweaty in there. There was no sweaty. windows. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Very sweaty. Very sweaty. <laughs> a lot of passion. The light show looked good. <laughs> you know, yep. just those were some of my favorite shows, man. Just like being right there, surrounded by everybody. Like you look behind yourself and there's people standing behind the drum set and. Yeah, that was the best, man. I missed that place. Yep. Just now I don't have... even know what it is. It's like a vacant lot or like a Starbucks or something. Like that. Yeah. It's is a skyscraper how... now. Is that how, um, Michael, is that how you got involved with So Hideous? Or did y'all know each other before that? Yeah, we we played a bunch of gigs together for years with my other bands uh, and Pierre first. And then that turned into Black Table. So we did some... I think weekends together, some festivals. Uh, we were always just like this, weaving in and out of the scene together. They would come to our show. I would go to their show. Um, and yeah, we were, were friends and supporting each other for years. And then uh, Black Table broke up. So Hideous went on hiatus. And it was kind of like, all right, we're here in COVID. You're on the West Coast. And <laughs> listen, what else, what else are we doing? I mean, what are we doing right now? <laughs> Brandon hit me up being like saying like, oh, I'm going to fly out two weekends in a row. You're going to record vocals. I'm like, this guy is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. And we, 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 yeah, we recorded at, um, what was the name of the studio, Brandon? The Sonic Garden? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that was a good studio. That, that, that process was great, man. Just going in there, laying it down, getting, getting, getting honest work done. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, you got another show for uh, the best one, or are you, you sticking with the same answer? No, I really love that that 2015 ABC No Rio album release. I just think about even even the still photos of the band when when we're playing and like with, with the smoke, it looked like Akira or something like like Neo Tokyo was just going up in a supernova, and um, I just love that time period for the band. I love that aesthetic, and. Um, yeah, that show was amazing. Shout out to Diami who used to put those shows on for us. Yeah, uh, yeah, 
It's just that was a great show. I'm gonna have to find footage for this. making me uh, want to check it out now. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know what there was. <laughs> it's it's all in here, just yeah. locked, locked away. <laughs> you had to be there, buddy. <laughs> so, what's the worst show y'all played? ABC No Rio. No. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we've all been somewhere in some state or country where you, we had no business being in this town or city or house gig or, uh, you know, towny bar where you're playing with a deathcore band or a blues band or whatever, a karaoke night. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's at least my experience. I know there's a few times back in the day just booking whatever you could book. Uh, you know, before it, there was networks to book tours, you were just cold emailing, cold calling people, uh, just adding venues on MySpace or Facebook. And uh, you get there and it's like a metal gig and you roll up and a guy's got an upright bass <laughs> and, uh, you know, spoons you're like, yeah, what's, what's happening? <laughs> no, but that this was, you know, 15 years ago. I mean, next record, that's probably pretty hip. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you said I, uh, play on a karaoke night. Has that been a thing? Did that happen? I think that happens. Yeah. I remember in college, I think we played the same night as a karaoke night. So uh, yeah, New Pulse, New York. It was like, all right, we're playing. And then it's like, all right, guys, wrap it up. We got like 20 people on the list to do karaoke. <laughs> awesome. I remember we played a show and we had to wait until the stand-up comedy night was over. So the show didn't start until like 1130. And then there was like six bands. And, and you know, guess what? We're going on at 2.45 a.m. on a Monday night on or a tuesday morning depending on how you look at it and it was just like all right we're not even playing to the bands because the other bands left <laughs> and it, okay you know thank you for this and also you didn't take off from work the, the next day so have fun waking up in the morning for that one too I, yeah I, I still i still have one more good memory of uh, webster hall playing in the the basement and i think east of the wall headlined or something and uh it was like there was a strict curfew. I mean, we're talking like 9 p.m. on a Saturday or Friday or whatever it was. So we're playing. And I'm, I, I'm not even kidding you. We were just talking about this. Like we are carrying all the cabs off the stage. And homeboys already out there with a table and laptop pressing play. And it's like dubstep night like this. It was like 9.59 on the dot. Like <laughs> he was a minute early and we're still like, wrapping cables on stage, you know, and people are rolling in with, you know, I don't know, masks or glasses. I don't know what, what was going on, but it was, it was interesting. Ah. Masks before masks were cool. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> that actually sounds pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know the next time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Taylor in chat saying that that sounds like you're describing the steak sauce show. Oh yeah, karaoke night, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, had a couple of weird. Oh, actually, um, Chris, if you had a, a bad show, what was the worst show you played? I remember one time we played a show in Akron. I think it was in or was it in Ohio? I, I think Akron, Ohio. Yeah, and, and we um, we played with a, a doom band, and I I won't say who they are, but they played for like four fucking hours 
it, 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 I mean, it wasn't. It was like an hour and a half, but still way over the time set. But and it's like, just the same know, song. Yeah, you know, and like time stopped for a moment, you know, mm-hmm. and like I, I like I like went back in time. Like I got younger, and then I got older, <laughs> and like I saw my death, and then my rebirth. As you do, and then and then we and then we went on stage to play. It was it was the most grueling fucking weight of my life. <laughs> That's it. And to this day, I still think about that that show. <laughs> they played the hero set at forty five BPMs. At forty, it was it was rough, man. It was rough. He he like and then he like smashed and he smashed a beer in his own cab at the very end, like like broke it. I was like, man, what the hell? <laughs> Whatever. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> times listen it's art dude it's art that's four hours of, shit, of right? art <laughs> so uh y'all mentioned some weird ones uh it played any any other really weird shows for example we've had people on here that have played four kindergartners in a kindergarten uh people play for fifth graders i don't know why these bands are playing in schools but but they are uh, ice cream parlors. We had uh, a gym before around all the weights and stuff. We we played an abandoned commercial building. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, like an office. Like it was just like a, it was like a like a like a local shop that got shut down, and they just like had the the door pried open and were charging people, and we just went in, set up, and played. It's like, are we and, allowed um, to do this? Is you coming in? Definitely weren't allowed to do that, but we we did we did it anyway. There was like. <laughs> There's a good amount of people there too. That was fun. Yeah, that, that, that was a decent show. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm not sure that that the show was bad. I just remember us having like a logistical faux pas, like rookie mistake shit, where like the 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 venue was in Eastern time and the place that we were staying in was like an hour away central time. Mm. And and then we woke up the next day. We thought we had all the time in the world and we were still on central time. And then we crossed back over that line and we're like, holy fuck, now we're late. We went from being like at an incredible pace, full of ourselves. Wow, we're well rested and everything to, you know, rushing and just like, dude, we totally fucked up the time zones. Like this is just some Bush League rookie shit. I remember that. <laughs> we, we were like, yo, let's go to Waffle House, get some fucking food. Let's yeah, just yeah. like vibe out, man. Let's take our time. And then we're like, we're an hour and a half late. <laughs> <laughs> too much like vibe. That. that was too much like vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have shirts, hoodies, vinyl, and scarves available over at silentpendulumrecords.bandcamp.com. Uh, you want to give us a little... Uh, a oh, yeah. We got this right here. Up? I mean, it is... It's pretty fancy. Dude, I that's hideous. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. It's so hideous. Yeah. Ah. And uh, vinyl shirts, all that stuff is on order. Um, I mean, you know, there's delays everywhere, the whole industry, but yeah. all the pre-orders are still up. Vinyl's almost sold out. And uh, yeah, shirts will probably go out before the holiday. Hell yeah. And, the scarf yeah. is beautiful, man. Uh, what made y'all want to do scarves? I mean, winter's coming, man. And uh, I've always wanted to do a scarf. I mean, with the label, we're always trying to do new merchandising so it's like we got this record let's go all the way finally <laughs> yeah well it's definitely a beautiful piece of merch um no cds we are doing cds with uh tokyo jupiter records out of japan oh so we will be getting like a box imported 
So that'll go up on Bandcamp eventually. But I mean, historically, we, I don't think, I can't speak for the past albums, but I haven't seen a lot of demand for CDs lately. But I could be wrong. Hit me up if you want CDs. <laughs> That's interesting. Like, how did you decide to hook up with a Japanese label? Um, they, they contacted us. I, I played there once with my other band, Downfall of Gaia, and I met, met this label. It was his show. And uh, he, he loves Downfall of Gaia. He loves So Hideous. So when he heard I was playing with him and also putting it out, he, he was like, let me do the CDs. Absolutely. That's um, crazy. <laughs> That's really crazy. Um, yeah, so finally, finally, we can say we're big in Japan uh, with CDs only. <laughs> <laughs> it's a step at a time. It's a step at a time. That's it. Uh, so to wrap this all up, why don't you tell me your album of the year? And we lost Chris. Uh, he, he, he's got, yeah, he's, he's got nothing to say about yeah, that. I was going to say he doesn't have an album of the year. I got it right here, man. This I'm going to go first. This is it right here. Nate Smith. Oh, it's popping out, too. There we go. What's going on? Um, <laughs> Nate Smith, his group Kinfolk, they were uh, Grammy nominated for Kinfolk 1. This is Kinfolk 2. I just saw them live at uh, LPR in uh, Manhattan. And I mean, for a, a contem- contemporary jazz, fo- uh, funk, hip hop band, it was, I was, I was blown away. I mean, it was the greatest performance. Uh, Nate Smith is the drummer and he's just doing polyrhythms and He's doing calculus while keeping the, the deepest groove you've ever heard. So, I feel like I saw a video you posted of it. Probably. Yeah. Okay, I okay, mean, okay. I recommend it to everybody. Um, if you love deathcore or post everything, I mean, this is like the logical evolution of that. I mean, he's grooving, making you dance, but also doing all the mathy stuff that you want to hear. Okay. Uh, Chris, if you could turn your phone sideways. There we go. Doing good now? Yeah, yeah, looks good. Great. Uh, so, uh, what's your album of the year? Um, Silk Sonic. Yeah, nice. Hand, Silk Hands Sonic. Down. I don't know. Straight through. I don't know what that one it's, is. It's the Bruno Mars Anderson Pack um, album that came out. Um, there are like few people I think that can like really pull off that like throwback style of like soul and funk, and um, and you know keep it modern and keep it interesting. And it's, it, you know, growing up and like hearing that stuff kind of, you know, you know, when we were kids, um, you know, my parents playing it all the time, you know, there's always a, you know, a limited amount of quality of the, of the actual recording, you know, when, you know, hearing that old school stuff, but then having the ability to bring that, that, you know, that new age vibe, you know, that old school vibe rather, you know, with like the quality of today's recording, I just love it. That album straight through is a banger. So if anyone hasn't heard it, please go for it. I need to check that out. That sounds awesome. They got some great videos too. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a whole thing. It's a whole incredible vibe. And like I'm I'm not I don't normally speak for Etienne, but I'm gonna speak for him now because he's not here. And and me, me and him were especially when it first dropped, we were obsessed with Donda. And like we still keep listening to that record. Like, I mean, we just we're, we're like waiting each week checking the live streams just watching this fucking guy sitting in a room in atlanta falcon stadium like the whole <laughs> performance art behind it the fact that you know in 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 rap that 65 percent of that album is without percussion you know there, there's just you know we talk about a lot of left of center production choices like like that that album is it man 
and um you know just just hearing it be he's almost like a curator now it's like you know just just meticulously curated of picking the right people to 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 just add something to it he's almost like he's writing and directing something he's just kind of putting the chess pieces in one place to create this you know opus and, and not all of it lands but when it does it's fucking out of control that's so. crazy y'all are like saying all these projects i wouldn't have thought that uh y'all would be like influenced by so uh, that's cool that these are like you're a you're an album like nothing metal like, came up at all it's crazy <laughs> i missed mics because i cut out so i have to uh it. yeah it's it's right here man homeboy nate smith you know yeah. nate there we oh, go yeah. oh yeah oh yeah so we got yeah, this that's where it's at. and i guess i'll give you one metal top you know album of the year and it's gonna it's gonna be your boys uh, Black Sheep Wall. I mean, we did the album and uh, songs for the Enamel Queen. I mean, you had them on the podcast. Hell too. Yeah. So those guys are the homies. I did the vinyl. I was like January. I mean, it seems like a, a life. Right. Ago. It does. But that's still this year. And I still think it's one of the, the strongest albums and the visuals, everything. So. Hell yeah. Well, uh, it's about all I had to talk about. Let's get something else you want to bring up. I think that's it. I mean, you covered it all. Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, if you're looking for something that uh, can get you super hyped one minute and make you ball your eyes out the next, you need to check out None But A Pure Heart Can Sing, the new album from So Hideous, which dropped last Friday on Silent Pendulum Records. Uh, you guys are on Facebook, Bandcamp, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. Um, am I missing any kind of socials or anything like that? I guess silentpendulumrecords.bandcamp.com. Get all your stuff there. But, uh, we're on we're on only fan, only fans too, so be sure to check that out. Nice, alrighty. Just <laughs> <laughs> blast beats for days. That's it. <laughs> uh, as for me, drop my channel, follow so you always know when I go live. You can also sub to get access to the interviews before they hit YouTube and other streaming platforms, as well as some exclusive emotes. Uh, find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. YouTube folks, if you like the video, please drop a like, click the notification bell. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a great way to support me for free. Check out my music, The Sound That Is Creation, at thesoundthatiscreation.bandcamp.com. My new album, Boomers, Zoomers, Desperate Coomers, is out now. Uh, my next guest is D.B. Cooper. Join us this Wednesday the 8th at 7 p.m. Central for the live cast. Thanks for being here, guys. Hope you had a good time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank so and thank you guys for watching it.